Any of you had any mountains in your life lately? Any troubled seas? Oh, oh. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and there they are safe. Pray for my voice that it'll hold up. Some of you are probably praying that it don't hold up, so I won't preach as long. Went to Oklahoma for a funeral. Went up there Sunday, and at funeral home Sunday night, a little bit of that whatever it is hit me, and after the funeral Monday, I went back to the hotel room and crawled up under the covers and had to shake for a little while. Been on the couch ever since I got home Tuesday, and uh, when I disappear after the service tonight, it's not because I don't love you and don't care about you, but I don't need to hug your neck, okay? Just pray for me. <clears throat> how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you are troubled at what you see going on in the world? When you turn the news on and the things you see and the, the violence everywhere and the shootings at Bourbon Street and the Mardi Gras and the shootings in Florida at school and just chaos everywhere, but you know, we've got to remind ourselves that this is the signs of the time. The Word of God tells us that perilous times are coming. Baby, we ain't seen nothing yet. Now, I'm not a pessimist nor a gloom and doom guy. You know that. But I am a realist, and I have a responsibility and a duty from God to tell you don't stick your head in the sand. Make your calling and election sure. Be sure that you're ready to go when the trumpet sounds and we go up or when you go out by, by the grave. You know, Hebrews 11, I believe it's 11 and 9, says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. There's a judgment day coming where each and every one of us will stand before the Lord and give an account for ourselves. We can't pass the buck or blaming on anyone or anything else. We're going to stand before the Lord and we're going to answer for ourselves. The main thing we're going to answer is this question. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior or not? Will you hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into a place that I've prepared for you. Or will you hear him say those dreaded words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never you see, it's your choice. He sits before you, life and death. He tells us to choose life. Why does he say that? Because we've, we're conceived in sin, we're born in sin, we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. There's not a person in here, I don't care how righteous you think you are, that hasn't sinned. Maybe it's not sins of commission, maybe it's more sins of omission. The sins we know the things we're supposed to do, but for whatever reason we don't do them, to them that knoweth to do the right thing or doeth good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. And it's time that we take a step back, get a good focus on our lives and God. And we start asking ourselves, am I all that I should be? How'd that old song go, Skeeter? Is he satisfied with it? Is he satisfied? Is he satisfied? Is he satisfied with me? Have I done my best? Have 
I stood the test. Is he satisfied with me? When my Lord shall come again, when he walks and talks with men, what if every friend he had were just like me? Would he find a welcome here? Or would he go away in tears? Am I all that I should be? Is he satisfied with me? You need to answer yourself that question. Is he satisfied with you? Not are you satisfied with you. Is he satisfied with you? You see, it's his standards that we need to live up to. Not ours or someone else's. It's God's standards. It's God's word that he holds us accountable for. In fact, I had a man tell me one time he hadn't been serving the Lord long, and I'd encouraged him to get into the word, and he did. And after about two weeks, he called me. Duke knows this story. And he said, Preacher, I ain't reading that Bible no more. I said, Why? He said, Well, I finally figured out that the more I know, the more he expects of me. And that's true. But guess what? His word equips us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And he wants us to hide that word in our hearts so that we don't sin against him. He wants us to know what his thoughts and his ways are all about. But in this day of chaos and turmoil and trouble and anxiety and stress and pressure and torment and all the things that we encounter each and every day in our life, not only does the is it saying Proverbs that the name of the Lord is a strong tower? But go to Psalms 27 with me, if you will. I want to read a passage here, and I want to talk about David's life for just a moment to hopefully we can draw some strength from. Now, you know, David is one of two men referred to as a man after God's own heart. Yet we look at his life, we study his life. We see him as a shepherd boy, taking care of the sheep, slays a bear and a lion. We, we know that he faces down Goliath. We know that he commits sin with Bathsheba. And we know that he compounds that sin with having her husband killed. We, we know the life of David. We've studied it. We've heard it. We've seen it. It's the ups and downs. You talk about a roller coaster. He had one. The ups and downs. One day, he's... Uh, running around with Jonathan, his best friend, the king's son. The next day he's hiding out in a cave, hiding for his life because the king's wanting to kill him. Saul's wanting to kill him. So this is the David that we're talking about. In Psalms 27 it says these words, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above mine enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. 
Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the smooth path because of mine enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart. Here we are, church. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We can break this chapter down into about six points that I'd like to make to you tonight, and I want you to compare them to your life, and I want you to see how they do or do not exist in your lives, because these are six things that I think can help us become that stalwart man or woman of God in this journey. Uh, called life. First thing I'd like to call your attention to it actually runs from verse through one through verse three, and it talks about the courage and bravery that David has, and it comes from God. He's talking about he's my light, he's my salvation, he's my strength. When the wicked come up against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes they stumble and they fall. Though armies encamp against me, my heart's not going to be afraid. I will not fear, because this is a confidence and a trust and a courage and a bravery that he has in God because of past experiences that he's seen God do things in his life. And I want to put you in remembrance of things that you've seen God do in your life in past times. I want to remind you that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he's not grown old, weak, feeble, senile. He is the same today that he's ever been. He's the God that saves and heals, that multiplies the loaves and the fleshes. He's the God that makes a way where there seems to be no way. He's the God that causes your enemies that come upon you to stumble and fall. He's the God that causes your enemies to sometimes be so confused that they destroy each other. But I want you to know that courage and bravery that you need to be successful has to come from God, and that comes from the second thing that I'd like to talk about, and that's from verse 4 through verse 6, and it talks about fellowship. How is your fellowship with God? Is the only time you fellowship with Him when you come to church here and you take a few minutes to worship or praise or sing, pray over your meal at the house? Or do you spend time with Him? Do you talk to Him while you're feeding the cows and building fence or while you're sitting on a deer stand or Whatever it is that you do, do you fellowship with him? Do you talk to him? Do you get quiet and listen to him? Verse 5 says, For in the time of trouble, because of this fellowship, he'll hide me in his pavilion. Fellowship. We go back all the way to the beginning of time when God created man. What did he create us for? Fellowship. He created us so that he would come down and fellowship and hang out with Adam and with Eve. He desires above anything else. In fact, his word says, beloved, I wish above all things. Now, beloved means he's talking to who? The Christians, his children. 
Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. He's wanting your spirit man to grow. How does your spirit man grow? By fellowship with him, by being in his presence, by hearing his voice, by partaking of his word, by receiving encouragement one from another. He wants us to be encouragers of one another, not judges of one another. He doesn't want us casting stones, but he wants us to go over and to help one another up when we fall. I love what Scott Kemp said here some time ago. It's not original to me, but I'm going to act like it was. I've stolen this phrase. You remember the story where they had taken the woman in adultery, and they had brought her before Jesus to accuse him. They, they was looking for him to mess up. They wanted to stone her, and they said, Now Moses in the law says she's to be stoned. What say you? You know how it went. He got down, on, squatted down. He began to write in the sand, and next thing you know, stood up and he says let him that is without sin cast the first stone and they begin to drop their rock from the eldest to the least and they begin to walk away here's the part that i love that's got emphasized he said the ones that would have stoned her stoned her couldn't the one jesus who could have stoned her wouldn't you see there's nobody in here none of us that should ever even dare cast a stone at someone else I caution you against judging. The only thing we're to judge is to judge the spirit of a man. We're to judge the fruit of a man, but we're never to judge a person. Never to judge the person. We're to judge the fruit. We're to judge the spirit. That's straight from the word of God. But when you start judging people, when you start passing judgment upon this one or that one or this one saved and that one's not saved and so and so and so and so, you've placed yourself on the same plateau as God, and I want you to know that's wrong. Thirdly, verse 7 through verse 9, we see where David is letting his desires be known to, to God, letting his desires be known toward God. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, I will seek your face. Don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away. You have been my help. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Oh, God of my salvation. Let your needs and requests be made known unto God. You need to talk to him. He already knows what you have need of, but he wants us to ask. He wants us to commune and talk with him. Fourthly, verse 10. We see where David has an expectation from God. When he said, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. I want you to know one thing. You can count on him to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You can count on him to never leave you nor forsake you. In the stillness of the night, in the loneliest hours of the night, he's there. You'll but call on him and but lean on him and look to him. He'll wrap those arms of compassion around you. He'll hold you. Go ahead and cry. It's okay to cry, but he's there with you. I want you to know he'll never leave you. He's there all the way to the very end. And then fifthly in verse 13, we see David's faith. We have to be people of faith. David's faith says this, when I would have lost heart. Any of you ever feel like losing heart? <laughs> I have. 
when I would have lost heart, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living, in the here and now, not in the sweet by and by, although we'll see it there. But God is going to show up and show out on planet Earth, in the land of the living, in your life now. But it's dependent upon your expectancy level. It's dependent upon your faith. It's dependent upon your trusting in God with all your heart and leaning not into your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledging him, and he'll direct your path. He'll direct you through the wilderness. Let me just throw this in as a laying out. The wilderness experience, and I need to be wrapping this up, don't I? The wilderness experience isn't for punishment. It's for refinement. See, when Jesus was baptized and then led into the wilderness by the Spirit, what does it say? To be tempted, to be tested. He went to the wilderness to go through some stuff. While you're in that wilderness, you're going to go through some stuff and you're going to have an opportunity to throw in the towel or you're going to have an opportunity to be faithful to him until the very end. And then David's instructions, and I'll close with this on the sixth point, is in verse 14 where he tells us this. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I had a little deal I saw one time. I'm going to share it with you real quick. When we, when we uh, hear the word wait, we tend, to, we tend to think of this, don't we? I'd like for you to begin to look at that word in this context as a waiter. When you come before the throne of God and you get in his presence and say, Yes, Lord, what, what can I do for you? Oh, you need me to meditate a little more. Yes, sir. You need me to spend more time in prayer. Yes, sir. You need me to worship more. Oh, yes, sir. And you need to get your instructions and your orders from him. Wait upon the Lord in that context. And when you do, then, like Scripture says, you'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. You'll mount up with wings as eagles. David leaves us with those words. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. How many times have we seen that through the Bible where Daniel was told multiple times, only be thou strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Why can you be of good courage? Because of the one that we have, we get our strength from the one from whom we are empowered by. Would you bow your head? You're here tonight, and when I first started out tonight, I started out talking about disappointed unto man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. As you inventory your own life right now, And you judge yourself. If you were to die tonight or tomorrow or whenever, 
you know that you'd go to hell, but tonight you want to take care of that. You want to make things right with God. Can I see your hand? Anyone, anywhere? It's your moment, your time. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Very quickly. Anyone, anywhere else? Join this one. Say, Dennis, I'm not right with the Lord, but I want to be. You can do that right where you sit. Anyone else? Very quickly. I'm going to ask one more time. I'm going to move on. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Yes, sir. Others would say that the song that Skeeter sang at the last, sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes a troubled sea that, preacher, that's where I'm at. And I need to lean on the Lord and trust Him more than I have been. I've been trying to do it all myself and leaving Him out of the picture, but I need to let Him do a work in me tonight. Like the song said by the trio, that there is a river that flows. There is a river of pure blood to cleanse our sins. There is a river symbolic of the Holy Spirit that comes to empower us. There is a river of peace, of grace, of strength that's available to you tonight. If you say, Dennis, that's the category I fall into. Could I see your hand? I want to pray for you. Say, I've been going through those mountains and those dry places and those deserts. Yes, yes, others. You say, just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. No shame in that. We all go through them. Then seven or eight of you raise your hand. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? You say, Dennis, that's me. I don't want to beg you, but I will if that's what it takes. I know God has shown me there are many of you in this place tonight that you feel that the weight is more than you can carry and you're about to crumble under the load. But he's available tonight if you'll reach out. Is anyone else real quickly before I move on? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, look up here at me real quickly. <clears throat> Word of God is very clear. When it talks about being born again, the requirements that it gives is this that we believe that Jesus is God's son came to this earth lived a sinless life died on a cross for us shed innocent blood was buried didn't stay dead three days later walks out of a grave he's alive today said if we believe that in our heart and he's coming back to get us one day and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, then we're saved. So with that understanding, would you bow your head and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. My prayers can't save you. You must ask with your mouth and believe in your heart so that you can receive that gift of life. So let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I am so sorry for my sin. I do believe you're God's son that loved me enough to die 
but you didn't stay dead. I believe you walked out of that grave Easter Sunday morning and that you're alive today and have the ability and the power to give me life. So I ask you now to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me with your blood, to come into my life and to be my Savior and my Lord. Help me to learn your ways so that I can live a life that's pleasing to you and enjoyable to me. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, you saw many other hands go across this place tonight, saying they were in those dry places and troubled seas. And you know the specifics and details of what they're going through. God, we just come to you tonight and simply ask you to do what only you can do. And that's to be a miracle worker where it's necessary. God, to come and to comfort the lonely, to strengthen the weak, to set at liberty those that are bound. Lord, to just show up in their lives in a personal way. God, meet the need. We ask you to glorify yourself. And we thank you that testimonies will come to these answered prayers. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. I'll make one announcement and I'm going to turn it over to you. <clears throat> Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday, uh, our Bible studies will start. It'll be a five to six week course. Scott Camp will be here teaching a series on the book of uh, Hebrews, we're going to entitle it, Jesus is Better. I want to admonish each and every one of you to come that can and bring someone with you. It's time we hide that word. We digest the meat of the word of God into our hearts so we can grow and be the mature Christians that we all desire to be. So come. It's at 6.30 sharp to 7.30 sharp. That's this coming Tuesday. Hope to see you there, Nathaniel.